Today's episode is sponsored by Engie. That's I-N-J-I-I. Engie is the first online network for social good. Viewers can watch original performances of all kinds of artists like musicians, poets, and comedians and help raise awareness and donations for deserving charities. This October, NG will be broadcasting several weekly online shows focused on Chattanooga's music and arts. The plan is to let you see up-and-coming artists in a different light, learn their stories, and get involved in the causes that they care about. NG covers the recording, engineering, and post-production, and artists own their own content once it's done, so they can share it or even monetize on it. NG went through the company lab and gig tape program and launched the online platform this past August and moved to Chattanooga. If you are an artist or charity that is looking to be on NG or a brand agency looking to advertise, please contact hello at ng.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at I-N-J-I-I dot com. I and many of our guests on Open Mic Spotlight have been involved with NG. NG is doing such great things for our community, artists, and charities. Please take some time to check them out at NG.com. That's I-N-J-I-I dot com. You are listening to Open Mic Spotlight with Heather Lee Holt. This show features conversations with Chattanooga musicians about the importance of open mic and its influential effect on the Chattanooga music scene. Hello. Welcome. Howdy there, Heather. (laughs) This is another episode of Open Mic Spotlight, and if you haven't heard the phrase, be like Mike, (laughs) then you're hiding under a rock in Chattanooga, because everyone has heard that phrase, and today, I am so lucky to have Mike Dewar here talking with us. Hello, Mike. Hi there. (laughs) So, though this show focuses on Open Mic and its influences for the Chattanooga music scene, I don't want to leave anything out. So Mike Dewar has been so influential on how the music scene has changed over the past, is it safe to say, like 25 years? It's safer to say 29. Yeah, I mean, that long. (laughs) He has not only seen a change, but he has been the catalyst for change and the reason for so much change here in Chattanooga. And so... This show is dedicated to him. Wow. (laughs) And I'm so happy that you're here. So tell us a little bit about your history. Are you from Chattanooga and and what you've done here? No, I actually am from Long Island, New York originally. Came down, went to uh, college, UTC, did some work here, uh, went to Nashville, was a school counselor for about eight years, and I used music as a bridge for these troubled kids to trust me. It was the one thing we had in common. And even back then, you know, the Rolling Stones and the Who and ACDC and everything counted. Oh, yeah. And, and so they were taken away from their folks and stayed with us. And so uh, I used music then. I was the guy that always pulled the, uh, back then, pulled the albums out to play for the party and so forth. And <laughs> so at some point, uh, a couple of buddies of mine started the sandbar, asked me if I'd like to come in. It took a couple of years, but I came down there. And a little bit after that, 
uh, we got some music going, and then I asked him if I couldn't kind of expand on what we were doing, and and we expanded. <laughs> and and then that was the music venue in town, really. I was really really proud of what we did. Mm-hmm. I still am. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people laugh. I, I told, I got the staff together and I said, our goal is to be in the top 10 clubs in the nation. And I don't know that we got there, but we gave it a hell of a shot. Mm-hmm. And we reached a point where I didn't really have to reach out that often for great acts because everybody talks and they were all coming to me. And so as a matter of just trying to fit, make sure that they fit what we did. We were very rough around the edges, a huge deck out on the river. And uh, you had to know how to grab your gear if a storm was and coming it, and, and so forth. And it was where the, where the boathouse is now? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, we had a 5,000 square foot deck there. And we started out bands just playing on the deck. And then uh, David Sturkey came along and said, we need to build a stage. So then we built the stage and he was the first one to play on that. Then we thought, shoot, I guess we need to put some lights in. Well, then we brought in a bigger sound system and it just kept growing. And people started hearing about it because it was unique. They could come in and have a boat ride or whatever they wanted to do. And you could eat upstairs and look down and see everybody partying and a lot of networking. There was great, great music in the South back then. The Athens scene was really taking off. All the great music over in the Carolinas. And so next thing you know, you're getting these odd phone calls about the Dave Matthews and the Hootie and Blowfishes and, and the Driving and Crimes and all of those bands. And then you start building a reputation and then more and more people want to come and check it out. And so we, uh, we created a lot of uh, marriages, a few divorces, and uh, I think everybody had a generally a good time overall. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you went to Rhythm and Brews. Right. Um, I got out of there. Uh, I actually did a little bit of work at Bessie Smith Hall for six months, which anybody that went to any of these shows knows just how unbelievable those shows were down there. It was a short run. We weren't necessarily welcome, mm-hmm. and uh, but the door opened up um, for Rhythm and Bruise. It was Sing Sing, a dueling piano place, and then they asked if we could come in and kind of do do our thing, and so... I had that place for 15 years, I guess. It goes by fast. Oh, yeah. And now you're working with The Rubber Room right. and Songbirds right. and a couple other people on some future projects. And yeah, yeah, a lot going on. Mm-hmm. A lot going on. So you're still 100% in it in Chattanooga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only difference is I don't go home at 4 in the morning now. That's really <laughs> the only difference. Well, I mean, you can't do that forever. I got pretty close. <laughs> I, I don't know when that time will ever stop for me, but right. in my head, I know it can't last right. forever. So how do you think that you've seen Chattanooga change from the time that you were at the Sandbar to now where you have venues like the Rovery Room and rooms like Songbirds are coming out? Well, I think there wasn't a whole lot going on back then. It it was the sandbar. It was yesterday's. It was the brass register. We each did our own thing. We never really stepped on each other's toes Mm -hmm. at all. The sandbar was like 99.9% original music. Yesterday's was cover bands and, uh, the brass register was basically, uh, party bands, fun. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then uh, rock and country and so forth. But that was a little bit more out of the downtown scene. 
And uh, that was about it. There wasn't, there were two or three good local bands, mm-hmm. nothing huge. I, I think the, the local scene in general, it kind of has its ebb and flow to it. Mm-hmm. It can be down for a couple of years. And then, uh, like we were talking with right a minute ago, that uh, when I started up R&B, I think about two years in, we had the Black Diamond Heavies, the Rounders, the Hop Sing Project, TJ and his crew, Malele Roots, and each one of those bands could draw 400 people on any given night. Mm-hmm. And they were all doing something different. And those are all local bands. Mm-hmm. And they would they would work together. So TJ and Hop Sing would do a bill, and one time one would headline, and then mm-hmm. the other would. Uh, the Rounders and the Black Diamond Heavies did the same thing, and as opposed to simply being separate entities out there, they were always working together and kind of raising the tide on the whole thing. And I think it really helped them a lot. So there were a ton of bands back then, and then it kind of drops down again. And now we're picking back up with Nick and those guys and Mm -hmm. communicators and Mm -hmm. and all those things. Yeah, and and Rhythm and Bruise was, I mean, so important for the local music scene. Well, you know... we have an obligation to the city. Mm-hmm. Now, they hired me to make more money than we started with, but I also understood our responsibility, and that was to help young bands start. Once they developed, give them a slot. Maybe they develop more. They become headliners. After that, I start making phone calls to other cities, trying to help them progress if, if, if they wanted to and if I thought they had what it took. But um, we hosted a lot of uh, young bands there. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just part of what we're supposed to do, I think, as a club for the city. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe you don't make money at it, but then you bring in a Velcro Pygmy or a Zach Brown and that's going to kill it, and that'll finance Mm -hmm. four acts that aren't really going to make much money. And that's sort of how I played that thing. Yeah. How would you decide on which local acts to choose from like how would you find that talent uh they well they all came to me yeah generally and uh, you just kind of sort through it you listen it's a lot of uh it's this whole business is about people mm-hmm. and i'd talk to them and i'd see you know where they were wanting to go what they were trying to do i knew it was important to them to be on our stage and make sure that they could handle at least the basics. Um, quite honestly, there were a lot of bands, they didn't even know what a sound check was. My sound man, Doug Brown, we talked all the time that once again, we felt like it was part of our responsibility to educate a little bit, not to the nth degree, but certainly to understand how those types of things work. But you've got all kinds of people doing all kinds of things. They need to be seen and heard. And if I had an open date, they hit me at the right time, or I kept them in mind, and we'd plug them in somewhere. Or if someone uh, just seemed to fit a headliner that I had coming in, you know, it's, they're all different. Every one of them's different, yeah, but a lot of it just better. comes down to good, good people mm-hmm. wanting to do some good music. Yeah. So, what what were some of the most creative ways that they they came to you with their music? Well, <laughs> just recently. And you know who you are. Uh, I was offered that his next child would be named after me if uh, he got this certain opening slot that we have coming up. That happened actually yesterday. And 
That's not a bad offer, That's actually. Bad offer. Um, <laughs> I would get um, uh, boxes with uh, a CD, a hat, a koozie, the right kind of candy, you know. If they just figured out alcohol years ago, everybody could have been playing. No, but uh, a hundred different ways, meeting people, just running into people, and they write, they catch me at the right moment or whatever. The thing is, three years ago, I was getting between a, I don't know, 50, 80 bands a week wanting to play. Wow. And I might have one or two openings. It's hard to go through 80 bands. Mm-hmm. It's real hard. And so you have to somehow catch my attention. Do and you know, I mean I'd love to hear everybody. Yeah. I just I there no was just not enough time. time. To listen to that. And and so uh, anything creative was a plus. You know, but coming in and simply coming in and sitting down and talking was mm-hmm. it's really good because it beats the heck out of a blind email. Oh yeah. Do you still have people coming to you all the time? Sure. It's funny, like I forget. In fact, I wish more locals would. Yeah. I'm kind of in an office now as opposed to in the club, and it's a little bit different, but I am wide open to hear what people have got out there. I'm yeah. wide open. I fr- sometimes, because I feel like we're, we're friends and we've talked about other things, that I, I forget that that's what you do. That mm-hmm. <laughs> you, people come to you, please listen to my music, mm-hmm. help me. I, I have more time now simply because I'm in an office. I listen to a bunch during the course of a day. But I always feel like there are all these local acts that are out there that I don't know about. That's mm-hmm. why the Road to Nightfall is such a great thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I listen to every single one of those before the whole thing even started. And mm-hmm. I'm making lists. And, and because there it is. There they all are. They made the effort to get into this thing. I'm going to make the effort to listen. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we do some really good things, you know, out of that list. I've certainly met some really nice people through that. Oh, yeah. And if you're wondering, Road to Nightfall is produced by Gig City Productions. And this year it was, it's previously been held at Rhythm and Brews. Mm-hmm. And this year it was held at the Grand Falloon for the preliminary yeah. stuff. And then the final show, which was six bands at the yeah. Revelry Room. Yeah. And then... The winner was Nick Let's Go and right. The Gimmicks, which um, in turn led to him playing a show at nightfall right. and then parading down to the Revelry Room, right. which was a really, really, really cool way to do it this year. I think that's mm-hmm. I think every year it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger for the road to nightfall. And it's a lot of cities are doing that kind of competition that leads to like a big show. Well, it works for me and, and whether bands win or lose. For me, I'm getting to see them all and hear them all. Oh, yeah. And and um, I, I have booked acts that didn't even make the finals or anything, mm-hmm. but I, I saw them over with, and with it's, Tara. And, you know, it's a luck of the draw. What, what They pulled it out of a hat what night you end up and who you're kind of battling against. And so, you know, there may be two bands who quite possibly should have been in the finals yeah. that only one of them can because of just... You just happen to be the randomness of life. It is. So you never know what it, if you think, hmm, I don't know if my band is good enough. We won't make it past this point. You never know the, like you said, the randomness of life and how that's going to end up. So I suggest that everyone, if that's something that you're into, if you're trying to get your name out there, Road to Nightfall is a very positive thing for the city. Mm Mm-hmm. I think now I want to get into like some fun stories that you have because you have so many of them. So I want to start with the sandbar because that's when I feel like 
stuff was like raw and real and like just coming up in Chattanooga. So can you think of maybe a really interesting, and I don't want to, I want to be kind of vague, so I'll leave it open, an interesting story that happened at the sandbar that's people would want to hear about. Well, I, you know, it's a long time ago. So we had built a great family at the same bar with mm-hmm. it, those, those people. Between still, the staff yeah, and the... The, mm-hmm. the staff was awesome. I still see and talk to them all the time. We, mm-hmm. still, we have reunions. Mm-hmm. Gosh, like, but because we were so hands-on, all the bands that came in, they were dealing with all of us. And so... For instance, Scott, the head chef uh, over at Stir, would haul kegs for us. And, <laughs> and um, Shelly, the wonderful accountant here in town, um, she was running drinks to Dave Matthews and so on and so forth. And, and they got to know us really well. And so I still keep in contact with a lot of those bands as well because we kind of went beyond friends. Oh, yeah. To where we, I don't know, it's just always going to be there kind of thing. And it's really great. Mm-hmm. But the fun part was watching bands that were just a bunch of yokels like us roll in. And, and you sort of notice that they had something going on. And then the next thing you know, you see them blow up. Mm-hmm. That was the, really the, the fun part. And so one minute we're watching, you know, Hootie play on our stage. And two weeks later, he's on David Letterman. Mm-hmm. And we're all gathered around the TV because those are our friends. Oh, yeah. Those are our friends yeah. on TV. Look at that. Hootie and the Blow Show. Yeah. 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 And so that part was was fun and and um when the people across the river didn't like us because we were playing music even though they were a swamp when we started um <laughs> when we had 311 come in we decided we just turned the speakers and aimed them across the river <laughs> so that <clears throat> they knew that we were working yeah that evening and so we had uh, fun like that um Kim Wilson with the fabulous Thunderbirds came in and uh he came in with a side project a blues band he was with Jimmy Vaughn, Stevie Ray's brother, and, and so we're sitting around talking. He goes, you know, all, I ever, all we ever wanted to do was, was be a blues band. And the next thing I know, I'm looking at MTV, and there's a bunch of hot girls in jean shorts dancing around like they're construction workers. And I said, what, what, what happened? What, what happened? And they, of course, had taken the band and turned them into whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he said, all we ever really wanted to do was play the blues. And so we go out as the Thunderbirds and we do this. And then I have the blues project over here and we do that. And, and so, um, it, you know, sit, just sitting around at the end of a night around a picnic table watching the river flow with a lot, a lot of people. And uh, I don't know, I think I won 1500 bucks off of the floating men one time when, uh, after they'd gotten paid on a pinball machine you know i i might have given it back to him but i taught him a lesson but anyway it was a big love affair back yeah. then it's, it sounds like a like a different way of life almost like more of like you said like a love for it rather than like trying to make a buck the community loved us yeah the bands loved us and we loved what we were doing and if you talk to anybody that hung out there at any length of time they can tell you all kinds of things because we knew everybody in town. Oh, yeah. And it was just uh, the perfect storm. Great music at the right time. And uh, people pretty much behaved. And Yeah, it kind of sounds like the CBGB of Chattanooga, you know? Just where, I mean, people had had faith in what you were doing no matter you, what. I, I said it before, but you have no idea how much pride I take in what we got done. Yeah. We got a lot done. Yeah. I don't know if you know who... 
Colonel Bruce Hampton is, but Bruce used to come in and he's fish and, and all those guys go to him. He's like the guru that's out there that people may not know, but he would come in with his band with Jimmy Herring and, uh, he brought in Derek Trucks when he was 14. Bruce brought him in. He goes, you need to let this kid play. He's pretty good. Yeah. Yachty Westfield played with him as well out of Cleveland. And uh, I would always ask Bruce, who, who's out there that sounds good? What's, what's coming? And he thought for a minute, and he goes, well, there's that Medeski Martin and Wood band. Okay, check. Uh, Leftover Salmon. Okay, check. And Dave Matthews band. Well, I hadn't heard any of these guys. Mm-hmm. But on Monday, I got on the phone, not the internet, and uh, called them all, booked them all, and everybody thinks I'm a freaking genius, and it's all because of Bruce. Bruce told me about North Mississippi All-Stars. I brought them to town and all 23 people. That's what makes you a genius, though, is that you you understand that maybe other people have some knowledge, too, you know? The biggest part of this thing is listening to other people. Yeah. I had the two girls used to hang out at the sandbar all the time, and they said, we saw that coolest band in, in Atlanta, and we talked to them, and you really need to book them. And, and once again, it's not like he can go to the Internet. And so mm-hmm. I drove up to Knoxville to talk to them. They were playing with Melissa Etheridge. That's a good story, too. But anyway, um, we got them in, and they were called Billy Pilgrim. Ended up being one of my all-time favorite bands, and Christian in that band, is with Sugarland, the country band now. He's the guy in Sugarland along with Jennifer. And uh, that's a relationship that continues to this day as well. I never would have met Christian. Um, I'm talking to him about coming to Songbirds to play. Mm-hmm. And uh, if these two girls hadn't come up, said, so we saw this cool band in Atlanta. Uh, I hear it. I list, I'll listen to anybody. I'll check everything out oh, yeah. if you give me something. Yeah. So. Uh, you can't hear it all, so you have to rely on people all around you. Mm-hmm. And everybody has different tastes, so from hard rock to jazz, mm-hmm. and uh, just keeping your ears open. So one more question about um, the sandbar. Um, who is a missed opportunity that you haven't had there? Well, my rule of thumb was that I didn't play country music. I don't know why, but anyway, <laughs> uh, and it had to be original music. And uh, that's pretty much how we rolled. And uh, there's a country band called the Mavericks that I screwed up on. The, one of the best singers ever in country music is out of that band. And I just thought, no, he's country. We're not going to do it. And I almost did the Dixie Chicks. And again, I thought, it's just some girls singing country music. What do we need this for when we can do rock and roll? And, you know, that's just how bright I am on that. <laughs> uh, but for the most part... I mean, you miss some. Mm-hmm. You're always going to miss some. But those were the only two that come to mind that I kind of said no to. Mm-hmm. And I regret. It's funny you remember those, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for sure. Anyway, so changing it up a little bit, you brought up songbirds. I feel like a lot of our listeners probably don't have any clue what that even means or is or anything. Will you talk a little bit about it? Yeah, it's um, the space will be above. Uh, revelry room on the Choo Choo campus. Uh, it's a really nice big space. It's going to open the beginning of the year. Um, what we have is um, a group that has the largest private vintage guitar collection, I suppose, in the world. That's crazy that that's here in Chattanooga. Uh, I, I'm not a guitar guy, but they have things that even my mouth opens on. I mean, it's 
What are some of the things that are really like one or two? Well, I mean, you know, if I mean, when serial numbers start with zero, 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 one from 1956. Oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, it, it's really quite amazing what they have. And so the idea was to open up this collection to the public. And so we're going to build out a space. For lack of a better term, we're calling it a museum, but it's not really. It's going to be alive and breathing you'll get to see all kinds of things. We can only show about 350 guitars at any one time, but obviously there's a large collection and will be tied into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the museums in Seattle and Austin and such. So and we'll you're saying that there's around. more than 350 guitars? There's about 1,800, something oh along goodness, something crazy. along those lines. A little bit of everything mm-hmm. for everybody. And so. And they, they allow people to play those guitars too? Well, it depends. Certain people. It depends. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously... There's some that are worth millions mm-hmm. and uh, and some that aren't, but depending. Uh, and, and I've seen them bring down a few guitars mm-hmm. for certain shows. They had a show at the camp house that they brought some guitars down and let some of the uh, musicians play. Right. And, and yeah, so we're going to do that, but we're also going to have um, some concert space mm-hmm. or maybe a big one of like 180 people and then a very small intimate room for maybe 75 And the thought is that uh, as we get going on this, there are a lot of great, great players out there that are going to be really interested in what we have to offer. Mm -hmm. And so you can see coming up this next year, some amazing people are going to be coming to town. They would normally be playing big venues, Mm -hmm. and we're trying to work it out uh, to come in to do workshops, to do performances, to tell stories, mm-hmm. everything, because every guitar has a story. That's mm-hmm. the most amazing part about this collection. When I walked in and into this gigantic room holding these guitars, it was overwhelming. You could feel and sense the history and all of the stories and everything. Each guitar has several stories. And when you have over a thousand, I mean, it's it's pretty powerful stuff. And so we're going to do a lot of things like that. We're going to have lots of local musicians working into this so if you're hearing this contact me <laughs> um and uh and education and heather i think it'd be a great idea for you to come in and maybe teach some families or some young kids mm-hmm. how to strum a chord or two mm-hmm. maybe we have a beetle month and you can uh you can you can teach them a, a, a tune man i think families would love that so um it's it's going to be really really something this will be the finest collection there is. Mm -hmm. So we expect a lot of folks to come in and check it out. And uh, uh, we're all very excited about it. Yeah, I'm really excited about it, too. Seems like they're creating this little, I don't know, town over there at the Choo Choo. Well, that's a one-stop shop kind of deal. Well, hopefully, you know, that we can, depending on who's coming in and whatever, we've got Revelry right downstairs got track 29 over there and then obviously the tivoli and such that there's there's no limit to how we can piece this thing together because it's brand new like i said the Mm -hmm. slate is clean it's just uh, how we create what we create and uh uh, keeping our minds open to all the great ideas everybody has that i'd be more than happy to listen to yeah yeah okay changing it up a little bit so you're a talent buyer and you find this amazing talent you've been doing it for so long, but what do you love to do that's not 
working? <laughs> um, well, I like sports. Yeah. So I still play racquetball. I'm old, but I still play. And um, but you're you don't just play racquetball. Like you're like really good at racquetball. I'm good for being old and slow. <laughs> well, I mean, going state level. Yeah. <laughs> is I pretty feel good. sorry for for people, but that and then. Um, you know, I just love sports. So uh-huh. there you go. The, what what sports about, do you like to watch? Yes. Which ones? All yes. of them? Yes. yes. The answer's yes. Yes. Hockey, you, baseball, football. You do know. you have like a um, pro team, football team that you like? I grew up in New York. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's how that works. All that stuff so, up there. Yeah. You don't want to make anyone. Although, you know, the Nashville Predators are a lot of fun to watch up there. So good hockey team oh, close yeah. to home. So, And you have a lot of friends in Nashville. So you go up there. Speaking of random things, I was walking through watching a game up there and a band was playing in between periods. And I went over when they got done and I said, uh, man, that sounded great. It sounded great. And they go, Mike, it's it's us. It's us. <laughs> it was Here Come the Mummies. I'd never heard of them, never seen them, anything. Yeah. They used to be in a band called the Thompson Brothers. And so they obviously I couldn't see them, but they recognized me. And I said, well, we need to get you to town. Let's let's do this. Let's do this. And so that's how the mummies came to town. Oh, and now they come, yeah, pretty regularly. Yeah, a couple, yeah, a couple times a year. They're, they're a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. They are. Everyone loves the mummies. They get mm-hmm. really excited when they're. Mm-hmm. Just don't listen too closely to the lyrics and everything. I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not necessarily a kids' band. <laughs> just like Nick Musco and the Kimmies. Oh boy, I would see grandmas over in the corner just getting down to the music. <laughs> And I would be thinking, please don't think about what you're singing because you really don't need to go there. But anyway, that's whatever. (laughs) And now a quick word from our sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by NG. That's I-N-J-I-I. NG is the first online network for social good. Viewers can watch original performances of all kinds of artists like musicians, poets, and comedians and help raise awareness and donations for deserving charities. This October, NG will be broadcasting several weekly online shows focused on Chattanooga's music and arts. The plan is to let you see up-and-coming artists in a different light, learn their stories, and get involved in the causes that they care about. NG covers the recording, engineering, and post-production, and artists own their own content once it's done, so they can share it or even monetize on it. NG went through the Company Lab and Gig Take program and launched the online platform this past August and moved to Chattanooga. If you are an artist or charity that is looking to be on NG or a brand agency looking to advertise, please contact hello at ng.com. That's H-E-L-L-O at I-N-J-I-I dot com. I and many of our guests on Open Mic Spotlight have been involved with NG. NG is doing such great things for our community, artists, and charities. Please take some time to check them out at NG.com. That's I-N-J-I-I dot com. So do you have an opinion on the open mic scene here in Chattanooga compared to maybe like Nashville or other places that you've been? Well, it, it's, I'm not really, I mean, I kind of watch what Nashville does, but um, because I'm not there to observe it, it's, it's mm-hmm. sort of hard to say. But I, I do think it's awesome what Tremont Tavern does. Mm-hmm. I mean, I send everybody there. Everybody yeah. that contacts me, that's where I send them. And sometimes I go directly to Mike because I know he's, 
he's always so willing to help people. Oh, yeah. yeah. We did open mic for off and on for two, three years at, at Rhythm and Brews and, and we opened it to bands as well. And it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried and it's too much trying to do bands for one. And I think the we weren't as intimate as it needed to be. Mm-hmm. And that's where Tremont comes in so well is it's smaller and it's a nice community of people and they can work on their new songs and make these connections. And I need a drummer. Well, there's one over there, you know, and all of that. And so, I mean, I would listen. I, I always work our open mics because I was looking for somebody new. And I found I would find people maybe once a month Mm -hmm. that it's like, okay, there's potential here or there's draw or there's whatever. Mm -hmm. But once a month for all that we went through, wasn't really getting it. Mm -hmm. And um, so eventually I I felt like we were kind of beating our heads against the wall. So I let it go, but it's vitally important to the city. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know some other folks do it too, but to me, Tremont uh, certainly leads the pack on that thing. Oh yeah. Cause Mike has been doing it for so long Mm -hmm. and, I mean, it's just, once you make a name, Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to mess it up, really. Yeah, yeah. No, he does great. Mike's Mike's wonderful for this city, like McDade. He has done so much for this city. And, I mean, I feel like a a lot of the the people that are big locally, you know, started Open Mm Mike. You know, they've come from there. So, you being the talent buyer, you know... Well, I'm, I'm, you see it firsthand. Yeah, I, I my ears are always open, you mm-hmm. know, and it's hard for what I'm trying to book as far as solo singers go. I, I don't have a lot of room mm-hmm. for them, but um, it doesn't mean I can't. I always keep people in the back of my head for the right plugs, and I can send them to other venues that make more sense or that uh, somebody needs a, an opener here or there that doesn't have really anything to do with me. But if they can get one more step up, mm-hmm. um, you know. And and you've seen the city change in the fact that it's gone from, you know, a few places to play to where now every restaurant around the block is kind of yep. hosting music these days. Yep. Yeah, it's know? great. It's wonderful. Yep. It's, um, it's money in your pocket too, right? <laughs> it does. There you go. It does. It's 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 great for the the artists out there who are trying to maybe quit their day job so they can focus on music and really try to make it go somewhere and focus on their craft. Right. It allows them to make some money and be able to do right. that, which is which is very important if you're listening <laughs> and you own one of these restaurants <laughs> if you have music pay them mm-hmm. because most of them need it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about rhythm for a little bit. Okay. Do you have any interesting stories from rhythm that you can think of on the top of your head? Nothing I can... Uh, no. Um, <laughs> there's got to be one in I don't know. Years. I mean, you know, there's the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. Um, why, don't, why don't you start with... I, I mean, you know, not to be well, negative. Well, I fired the Disco Biscuits before they loaded in. Does that count? Yes. Let's hear the story. God, what a <laughs> jerk their tour manager was. <laughs> I mean, it was really, I'm I'm still embarrassed for that guy. I hope he's grown up. But eventually they played because they came in and apologized. But, mm-hmm. mm. Tell us the story of that night. Well, no, the tour manager came in and they called me the night before and said, uh, we've got a problem with some of our equipment. We don't even know if we can play or not. Can you look for 
this. And so we looked for this and there was nothing in the city. They came in and they said, well, we can make it work. But uh, the guy came in and I had been warned about him. So mm-hmm. I was kind of heads up and, and he goes, uh, where's my orange juice? <laughs> he didn't even say hello. Where's my orange juice? And the, you know, the point is you didn't even know you were playing today and now you're demanding your orange juice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know what? I'd just soon be at home, so get the hell out of my office. And I think the band possibly heard me downstairs. And the girl that was going to do hospitality for me was sitting there with her mouth open, but she knew that the guy might be a jerk, too. And so we sort of enjoyed running his ass out of the uh, office. And 10 minutes went by, and we just waited, and he came in and asked if he could start all over again. It's like, up to you, bro. Mm. He was fine. And at the end of the show, they were asking how to get on Bonnaroo. You know, I mean... The band was fine. It had nothing to do with the band. It was just mm-hmm. a tour manager. And I heard he eventually got fired. So there's that. And mm-hmm. you get things like that where people are just in the wrong job. You know? They don't know how to talk to people or approach people or well, we're, we're all in it together. We are. You know? Everybody. And if I want to get yelled at, I can go home and talk to my wife or something. <laughs> I don't really need to hear it from this guy. So, But, you know, you get that every now and then. But um, in general, everybody... Is super nice. I've done um, Joan Osborne several times. She's with a band now called Trigger Hippie with Jackie Green in this band. And if you have not seen this band, you've got to see this band. It is sick how good they are. They sell out everywhere but Chattanooga. <laughs> but uh, the first time we dealt with her was, uh, uh, was at March of Dimes. We had uh, Derek Trucks and Joan. And somebody was helping us, driving Joan back down to the Reed house where she was staying. And they pulled up. She was going to get changed and come back. And she pulls up and they're just sitting in the car. And finally, Joan looks at her and she said, are you going to get out and open up my door? And I guess I can say this because it's a podcast. But anyway, uh, this sweet little girl that worked for me said, "Uh, God gave you two hands, bitch. Use them. (laughs) And so that was our introduction to Joan. She wasn't real thrilled with us at the beginning. But after that. She was delightful at the club, and I got to ask her about that documentary, Standing in the Shadows, about all the cats up in Motown, and she was the voiceover on a lot of that stuff, and was it was really fun to talk to her about that. So everything works out, <laughs> you know. But those are the, the good days. Oh, yeah. You know, but you do enough people, you run into enough people, things happen, yeah. you know, and so. Starts to click everywhere. Yeah. 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 So I myself love Bonnaroo. I just attended my third year this summer, and I wish it had been more, but I got a late start. My third consecutive year, I should say. Um, You love Bonnaroo, too. I do. It's it's almost as much about the camping scene and my friends that I don't get to see that often. Mm -hmm. And we set up a pretty stupid little campsite and the ac entertainment folk uh treat us well they give us a nice yeah you guys have like a a really cool setup with yeah heads on sticks and yeah well you have to have a head on a stick i mean you know you know you made it if uh, your head's on a stick (laughs) and not a pike but a stick and and you i mean you're 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 vip so it's not it's not back back with the general admission folk anymore well you know it was really great at the beginning it's too bad you missed it towards the beginning and i'm sure ac entertainment isn't listening to this but you know you could get around pretty well at the beginning of that festival uh-huh. if you simply acted like you were somebody you some, yeah. and so there were several main stages we were standing on watching the shows even though maybe 
we shouldn't have been there necessarily. Yeah, but, do, um, I mean, do you have like any like really cool moments from back in the day of Bonnaroo? Oh, it's so, so I'm good. sure that it, I'm sure things have tamed down a bit since like. Well, I think, and for anybody that was there, uh, I think it was Yonder Mountain was playing, but we were, we were on the back of the stage watching and we kept looking behind us and this guy was fooling with this engine and we could not figure out what a guy would be doing with an engine and we went and talked to him and he's the guy that puts a rocket on his back and flies in the air and it's like okay how many times are you going to meet one of these guys and so we spent like an hour talking to him i don't know how do you practice this <laughs> and and uh, he said oh, okay i'm going off at like midnight and it's all right so we wandered around and that was the same show where they blew up a three-story four-story godzilla and a giant Mothra over the crowd. And then the rocket guy went up over everybody, spinning around and coming down. And it was myself, this fellow I didn't know, Denson Lee, my buddy, and Neil Young. We were wow. we were standing there, and it's like, boy, how do we sneak back here and do this stuff? So we would do it a lot. We met a lot of folk um, that way. That's so fun. The media tent, for anybody that can go, is to me still the best because you get to really see people up close and mm -hmm. uh we went in there tara was at this one i remember because it was the hottest bonnaroo ever and we got in there just to cool off but it was uh stephen stills richie foray from buffalo springfield that's why neil young was there ben from ben and jerry's uh daniel lemois who produces u2 and bob dylan and and is just Humongous. Emmy Lou Harris it's is wrecking like a ball. variety of pack of huge well, and people. And the last guy was uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Jeez. And so these people are on this stage, and there's like 20 of us in here. Barry Court was in there, and we're sitting in there, and it was sponsored by Ben and Jerry's and some kind of vodka. And so they hand you vodka and ice cream, and you sit in an air conditioned tent. And I'm looking at Stephen Stills and Kareem Abdul Jabbar. And like it couldn't get better than vodka and ice cream. Yeah. You're looking at all these people. Tara helped me a little bit with that. But uh, uh, but it, that's the fun part to me. Um, I'm not big on the masses and, and all mm -hmm. of that stuff. I like to get a little closer and, and hear their stories. And, mm -hmm. and it was fun because Daniel Lenoir was kind of picking on Stephen Stills about how he titled his songs. And it's like, I can't believe he's asking that. You know, <laughs> I mean, they're all humongous people in the biz. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's just fun. Yeah. It's just fun. That's really awesome. So. I guess we'll finish up with any advice that you can give upcoming musicians about getting out there and getting in the music scene and chat. From my point of view, uh, if you want to be a performer, practice, practice, practice. Talk to as many people as you can. Go to the open mic. Meet these people. I tell folks all the time, go meet these people. And you can, you, because you are a fellow musician, can critique and and guide and nudge a little bit more than some others can. And you mm -hmm. maybe have a little bit more time because you're there than I would. But to simply get out there and play, just play mm -hmm. and enjoy what you're doing. And if you're not enjoying it, you need to move on and just make it like a hobby or something mm -hmm. like that. But And as far as getting noticed by folks like me, stand out. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, if I'm getting 80 bands a week that I have to look at, how are you going to be different? If you all are basically the same, how are you going to stand out? Mm -hmm. You can stand out like uh, Nick Let's Go can. He came up with a 
gimmick mm-hmm. and you can call it anything you want but it sure as heck gets people's attention yeah. and that's after that it's up to him to be great mm-hmm. but he's got our attention and i'm and i'm watching and i'm looking and i'm listening and it's it's things like that that you've got to do um i i had a little band that would come in with a, a big bag of instruments and at the end of the night everybody in the room was banging or clanging on something <laughs> And it may have sounded a little bizarre, but I guarantee you they went home and told everybody about that show. And before you knew it, we were doing 250 people on a Wednesday night because people were curious about this Mm -hmm. whole thing. You've got to be creative. And I know some people are better than others at that, but how you dress, how you speak, Mm -hmm. all of those things count. Don't be a jerk. (laughs) Yeah, don't be a jerk, even if some people are occasionally. But yeah, just stand out somehow mm-hmm. if you can. And, you know, like I say, a lot of people will say it's copping out, whatever. You know, you're wearing Devo hats, whatever. All I know is I'm going to remember you. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with your band name. You know, try to be a little bit creative if you can with that. Mm-hmm. Don't just name it on the, the street that you live. <laughs> Put a little bit more thought into it. Every aspect of that stuff counts. Mm-hmm. And you just want to get noticed. Once again, it's up to you after that to get noticed. Then you can roll on from there and make a lot of great friends in the process of this whole thing. Oh, yeah. That's what it's all about, I think, first and foremost. Yeah. Is just, you know, I've met doing so many it to be happy, wonderful you know? people. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm so lucky and thankful. But in general, I hardly ever had to go to work except occasionally for the Disco Biscuits or John Osborne or... <laughs> Or Ace Freely. That's another one. I can only count on one hand these people, but they won't. They won't leave a brain. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming today, and I hope you. I hope to have you in the future too. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. Open mic spotlight has been brought to you in part by and recorded at the Soundry with your host Heather Lee Holt, edited and made possible by Mr. Brett Nolan.